0: Hello everyone. Um, before we begin, can I just remind you to switch off your mobile phones or switch them to silent, please? If anyone has forgotten to do that, It'd be great. Thank you. Um, so we'll start with some introductions before we introduce or uh, welcome Jane. Um, Just briefly, I'll introduce myself, which is always awkward. (laughs) Um, My name is Elaine Webster, um, and I'm a children's and young adult author uh, with houses including Scholastic, Midnight Sun, Publishing, Penguin Random House, and Queensland University Press. Um, And I have a a YA novel sensitive due out with Queensland University Press next year. Um, Tonight's event has been made possible thanks to the City of Marion Library Service, particularly Jane Webster and her team for organising the event, uh, booked at North Adelaide. Uh, To Sue Roberts and her staff for stocking books tonight, thank you. Uh, To Becky Lucas of Becky's Literary Agency for assisting with hosting the event. And to you, lovely audience, uh, for coming out tonight to hear from the fabulous Jane Harper. Sorry, Um, I should advise that the structure for tonight um, is that we'll interview Jane first and then we'll have some time uh, for question time. Uh, so I'll attempt to get uh, keep a close eye on the time as we go and hopefully we'll have some time for you uh, to ask some questions. So, without further ado, Jane. Um, Jane is an author who doesn't require a lot of introduction, uh, having acquired quite a following since stepping into the literary world. Um, She won the Victorian Premier's Unpublished Manuscript Prize in 2015 and has since then taken the publishing world by storm, winning a swag of awards for crime writing, uh, the Australian Book Industry Awards Book of the Year, uh, the British Book Awards Crime and Thriller Book of the Year, uh, and her work has featured on the New York Times uh, Critics' Top Picks of the Year. Jane has also sold movie rights for The Dry to Reese Witherspoon and Bruno Papandrea, uh, the team behind the Aussie success Big Little Lies, uh, of course written by Australian author Leah Mariotti. Uh, Jane's work has been sold into 36, territories, which is pretty amazing. And I was just telling uh, Jane in the green room that we actually have another author here tonight. His name's Adam Cease, and he has sold into 30 territories. Um, so, Adam, you have some catching up to do. Oh. Um, so, Jane, uh, it's been a pleasure to be uh, uh, to host you, and um, I confess that what little time I do have to read, um, is often reading young adult and children's uh, fictions. So reading your work was a definite change of pace. Um, Congratulations uh, on the release of The Lost Man, which is what we're here tonight to celebrate. How
1: are you feeling having it out in the world? Yeah, really good. Um, Thank you all for coming. yeah, look, I loved writing this book. Like I really, really loved it, you know, from from sort of start to finish. From I had the idea sort of quite um it sort of came I- in quite a um cohesive sort of form quite early and um I did a lot of research for it. Um and sort of learned so much about the kind of the Outback area. It's set in Outback Queensland on a really isolated cattle property. This one it's another Australian mystery, so similar in tone and feel to the first two books. Um and yeah, I just I really I really enjoyed the process I think you know from the idea to the research to kind of the writing practice I think having two books sort of under my belt so I was able to um, kind of my writing technique I guess has evolved a bit in terms of the way I actually approach you know, the actual writing process and I was able to kind of learn all the things that I'd you know I'd learned from writing The Giant Force of Nature and kind of apply them to this process and um it, it, I sort of had an idea, of, I guess, of what I wanted to achieve with it and what I hoped it would look like when it was finished. And I'm really, um, you know, I'm really so thrilled with the way it's kind of turned out. And it's really great to actually see it out there on the shelves now.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's always exciting when you do finally see it on yeah. the shelf. Yeah, it's, it's quite a moment. Um, so you are now on the middle leg of your book tour, uh, having visited New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland and Western Australia already. Uh, and after us, it's on to their ACT and Tasmania. Um, are you enjoying meeting with readers? Surely yeah, for sure. No, no,
1: yeah, I, I definitely do. Because I think, um, I mean, you spend so much, like as you would know, time writing the books like alone, you know, in a kind of like lonely office space. just sort of my own thoughts kind of, twir- you know, swirling around in my head and, um, you know, and there's sort of times when you think, God, like, is this book ever going to get finished? And is anybody going to actually sort of see this in printed form? And um, So to actually then sort of have it out there and have a chance to kind of meet people and, and things, it sort of makes it all a bit more real and it's, it's less yeah. just about kind of, you and your own little projects are more about, I suppose, um, yeah, getting your story out there and giving people a chance to read it.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And, and we have to, again, say thank you very much um, for you to, for coming out tonight because, as Jane said, you spend a long time working alone and there's a lot of fear attached to if that book is gonna be successful. And then, so it's wonderful when you see audiences like this turn up and people make the effort uh, to come out. So a question for the audience. How many of you, put your hand up if you've read The Dry. Wow, (laughs) you're all schooled up, well done. Uh, Forces of Nature, yes, wow, look at that. How many of you have already read The Lost Man? A few there, well done, good. Okay, Um, well the main thing tonight is that we don't want to reveal any spoilers for those of you uh, who are purchasing the book uh, tonight. Um, so we will aim to talk about The Lost Man in general terms. Um, so Jane, um, this is uh, this novel is a departure from the first two in that we leave police officer Aaron Fork uh, from the dry uh, behind and we begin an entirely new story. Uh, the Lost Man, we come to know the Bright family, um, another family, another town with lots of secrets. Um, tell me, where did the seed for this novel start and is it a, an idea that's been brewing for a while?
1: Yeah, so... Um so, Lost Man is a um, so it is a standalone novel. Um, I mean, I think I do think it is very um, sort of similar in a lot of ways to the first two. Like, I think if you kind of enjoyed the first two, I think you'll definitely sort of recognise it um, as kind of part of the I guess sort of the package really. Um, but it is like a departure in that it doesn't have um, Aaron Falk in it, who was obviously the protagonist in the first two books. Um And I feel I should actually take a moment just to explain that because i've I, I've been at other events, there was one in particular where um the host mentioned that, and the audience like I'm not going to say booed, but kind oh, yeah. of <laughs> there was sort of there's definitely a, a definite sort of grumble of discontent, so um I might take a moment if I may to just explain my reasoning and the the reason I did that was because I think um you know, when you're writing a book you you kind of obviously you want to tell the story in the best way you can, and a huge part of that is picking the right characters for the story and this one um, I knew really early on I wanted to set it in um, like the Outback region one of these really isolated castle properties um, and I sort of settled quite early on Queensland's and um, I just and I had a sort of imi- this kind of idea about it, sort of this family sort of very kind of immediate sort of sort of quite sort of intimate look at this sort of um, family dynamic and family life and um, and I just knew really early on that it just was not, as much as I love Fork and as much as I owe him for you know the first two books, um, you know, it just wasn't the right story for him. I couldn't think of any realistic way why he would possibly be up there other than some sort of, you know, four-wheel driving holiday or something, <laughs> and, you know. And then it's getting a bit sort of murder-she-wrote type yeah. territory. So, um, so I didn't really spend, honestly, a lot of time, you know, thinking, like, should I j- or shouldn't I? I just thought, no, like, I'll give him a bit of a break. And, you know, and I, I would sort of intend to return to him at some point, d- bit you know, when I sort of find the right kind of vehicle for, mm. you know, the sort of s- right story for him, really. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, so with this book, um, I just, um, I sort of had, yeah, I had this idea like really quite early, and I, and I wanted to write about this, this sort of, this family with their own kind of struggles and, um, and their own kind of dynamic set in this really isolated region. Um, and I realised that quite early on that I didn't actually know a whole lot about the place I wanted to set it. I just had this sort of quite romantic view of this really sort of you know isolated, um, you know kind of very very lonely sort of setting. Um, and you know it, it sort of um, it sort of started from there, as like a lot of the books do. Like I kind of have the the sort of a loose plot and the setting come almost um, almost at the same time for me, and and they come before really anything else. Like I then sort of sort of then start to work out what characters I need to tell this story. And for, for this one, it was particularly this um, this family of three brothers and their kind of immediate relatives, and they've all grown up in this very harsh outback lifestyle. And, um, you know, and they have all the kind of, um, you know, problems and pressures that come with that at the same time while really being, you know, very sort of on their own and having very few other people to, to really talk to or, or, or bounce their, you know, thoughts or ideas off
0: yeah fantastic oh, well I've I've been schooling up myself and I read this book and she has absolutely nailed it so um, for those of you that have yet to read it you're in for a real treat it's fantastic So, thank you um, so
1: may I ask how long did it take for you to actually write it um, yeah so um so it, t- it took about a year from start to finish so when I was here last year for force Nature t- sort of nature's tour um. I hadn't started it at that point. I kind of had a really kind of sort of very loose idea, um, but I, I'm not. I'm not actually one of these people who can keep lots of like book ideas in my head. At one point, I know some authors seem to have like a whole kind of I don't know like box that they just sort of dip into and just pull out, you know, or hundreds of ideas they get to choose from. But um, I find it very hard actually to think about any other any other ideas while I'm actually working on a book. So when I was writing The Dry, that was kind of all I was thinking about. And then I wrote Force of Nature, and that was all I was thinking about. And then, um, yeah, and then only once that came out, really, could I sort of turn my attention to The Lost Man. So um, I started that um, process, really, probably around this time last year. But as like I said, I didn't know, like I realised really early, like, you know, I can't write this book without doing um, some really substantial amount of research, because. You know, you you obviously want it to be authentic, and that's like a huge part of, you know, um, connecting with readers. And um, so, so taking the lessons I learned from the dry and force of nature, which is that I find it a lot easier to to plan before I write. I actually just put um, a lot of the ideas aside, and I spent um, a lot of time researching first. So um, I spent about four months actually researching the area that I kind of thought I wanted to set it in. I read a lot of books, like memoirs, and people's kind of, yeah, you know, first-person narratives about l- their lives spent in, you know, cattle stations or as sort of teachers on, you know, remote areas. Um, like I spoke to like a Helen mustering pilot and fine doctors and, and, and people like that to sort of try and get a, a bit of a sort of practical, technical sense of, of what life um, out there inv- involved. Um, and at that stage I hadn't really um, quite exactly pinned down where I wanted to set it. Like I just knew I wanted it to be that sort of outback sort of region. And it, it became quite um, apparent that um, sort of Queensland was, was sort of fitting the bill geographically in terms of what I, wanted what I needed to achieve with like the conditions and the weather and just the, the sort of geog- geography of the place. Um, and I read this really amazing book called um, Outback Cop by this man called um, Neil McShane who um, was the only um, police officer in Birdsville, which is a tiny outback town, it's the home of the Birdsville races, if anybody's, you know, he- I'm sure I've heard of that. And, um, but normally it only has a population, I think, of hundred people kind of scattered around in this huge area. But anyway, he was the um, only cop in that town for 10 years, all on his own, policing an area the size of Victoria single-handedly. And his, his book is just full of, like, it's really interesting kind of memoirs and things. And, um, I read that book and I managed to kind of get an introduction to him, and then he very generously um, sort of agreed to um, meet me. And I flew up to um, Charleville, which is 700 kilometres west of Brisbane, is sort of quite small outback town, not as small as Birdsville, but still, you know, quite quite small. Um, met him and his wife, um, and then he and I, well, he drove, but took a, this epic sort of. 900k road trip west of to um, Birdsville where um, we sort of just set off in his 1996 Land Cruiser and (laughs) um, he just sort of told me stories for 11 hours while I asked questions and thrilled him on you know how would you respond to this and this and yeah and then we got to Birdsville and he introduced me to a lot of people and um, I went out with the nurse in the ambulance and went out to a few stations and you know, sort of w- find out how the school works with School of the Air and things like that. and um, So it was really, it was so fascinating and I think it really, because I wanted to get not just the, the, the practicalities right, like how do radios work and how to get their food and you know, things like that, but I wanted to try and get a bit of a sense of the, the kind of the emotional and psychological um, impact of living somewhere where it really is like so different from the kind of city and coastal area and you really are in a lot of ways, you know, on your own I think.
0: Mm. Um, which kind of leads me into the next question that I had for you in that you were you were born in Manchester um, which is an industrial city and your uh, career in journalism has brought you to Melbourne and Geelong more cities and and yet your stories have such an extraordinary sense of place. Um, so you've sort of you've touched on what it is what it is about the Australian outback that fascinates you and how you capture that isolation and hardship um, with with that research but uh, is there something else that really draws you um, to it? Is what? Yeah. yeah, I'm interested to hear why. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. No,
1: I think. I mean, I like. I really love running about, like the kind of the landscapes we have, you know, here in this country. And I think, you know, as a writer, you're quite spoiled for choice in terms of the the the, the options we have. I mean, it's such a it's such a huge country, obviously, and um, we've got that real sub sort of diversity in terms of. Um, The different landscapes you can choose from, which have that kind of combination of like beauty and brutality, which I think works really well for novels where you're trying to create a bit of you know suspense and mystery. Um, And I and so I sort of I sort of choose. I I tend to sort of gravitate towards you know in all three books is I guess quite isolated settings um, for sort of two main reasons. And the 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 creative reason is because um, I think it's just a really beautiful kind of scene to sort of bring to life on the page and it really um, helps you out a lot in terms of trying to you know give the reader something that that draws them in and gives them something to kind of you know think about and gives gives them something to sort of immerse themselves in mm-hmm. and I think it's really important like to for me to try and make the landscape um, kind of part of the plot so it's not just like a a, you know, a backdrop like setting like a you know like stage setting it's actually kind of ideally driving the character's behaviour and their motivations and sort of also who they've become, particularly in Lost Man. These, these men have kind of become who they are largely because of their you know, their, their upbringing and where, um, where they've spent all their lives. So um, I try and sort of weave it in throughout and, um, you know, and really make it part of the book from start to finish. So that's kind of the creative reason. And then the more kind of Sort of cold-blooded, practical reason is because I think, especially when you're kind of trying to um, have a bit of a mystery running through the book, for me personally, it's a lot easier when I've got sort of set cast of characters. So it's not like in a city where you, you know you have a thousand people coming and going every day. Um, you know, and I think that's very hard to keep track of mm. all those characters and keep it sort of keep the action focused. Whereas if if you know I've got the drought-stricken community or Know, um, teaming, you know, teaming a bushland hike or you know, people on a cattle station. You've got these people and um, there's maybe a few outside distractions but not too many and the characters are forced to interact and you can learn a lot about them by the way they sort of behave towards each other and, and how they react to maybe like a similar situation. Mm. So it's just, um, yeah, it's about sort of keeping control of the, the whole scene, I yeah, think. Yeah, you're able to put that spotlight on them.
0: How many of you in the audience are from a rural background, anyone? Yeah, a few. I grew up in a little country town where everyone knew everything about <laughs> everyone. <laughs> so <Sorry. laughs> I get this, <laughs> just quietly. <laughs> um, okay, so I, uh, Jane, having had a career in journalism, um, what aspects um, of that skill set do you think um, have served you well when it comes to writing fiction? Yeah,
1: I think um, so much. Like, I, so I was a journalist for 13 years and I worked um, on newspapers. Um, and that's all I did. Like that was that was all I did. Uh, I'd done professionally um, since leaving university. And um, like the sort of skills I learnt working on newspapers have helped me out in in so many ways. And I continue to do that all you know, all the way through into you know this latest book. Um, I mean, just sort of the the real kind of technical aspects in terms of like actually being able to kind of get words on a page. And I kn- like I know I know that I can do that because I've. You know, every day you to go into the office and have uh, like an everyday daily deadline or running deadlines and have to write a certain number of words by a certain time on a certain topic. And um, so I know in myself that I can do that because mm. I've just it's just repetition. I've done it so many times. And um, then also being able to express yourself clearly um, and for the audience that you're writing for as well. I think it's really important as a writer yeah, and, and certainly as a journalist as well to be aware of... Um, who you're running for and their kind of level of knowledge because you want to give people enough information that they can, you know, kind of understand, say, the workings of a, a capital property and have all the kind of you know, bits and pieces they need to sort of feel like they can really understand the place. But at the same time, you know, you absolutely don't want to dumb it down and you don't want mm. to, um, you know, overburden people with unnecessary information either. So it's about kind of cherry picking mm. what you're going to include to keep this story kind of moving on. Um, and then also, like, I think in terms of just the, like, I suppose, like, the connection you build with communities. I mean, I spent, like, um, at least, like, uh, you know, uh, years, really. I mean, uh, on all my pap- all the papers I worked on involved um, community issues. So, especially when I was kind of a cadet and, um, you know, I spent a lot of time going out to kind of small villages and, and towns and, um, you know, coastal regions and f- farming properties and things, just talking to people about what actually seemed like quite mundane issues, um, but you realise how big these are to the people who are affected, and, and it's about kind of, I suppose, listening to the way people express themselves and, and what things that they really, you know, how, how it, an issue really affects them and affects that sort of ripple effect around the, the community, and then trying to translate that into a story that will be relevant to people who aren't directly affected by that. And I think that's something that, you know, I use quite a lot in fiction, trying to sort of, I suppose, capture those emotions and the elements that we can relate to, um, even if you haven't necessarily had the experience um, mm. of that kind of place or situation yourself.
0: Yeah, there's obviously a lot of immersion that you've really yeah immersed yourself in in that world to be able to produce what you what you' have, so um, tell me a little bit more about your actual writing process, are you frantically squeezing it in like I am <laughs> about any <laughs> time it will fit or um, you, are you quite disciplined or
1: yeah so i um so that's kind of evolved a bit I have to say over the three books and um I am quite disciplined that's another thing I have to thank journalism for, I have to say um, so when I wrote, so when I wrote *The Dry*, I was working full time, and I had to, um, you know, fit it in around a full time job. And I used to, you know, it took me a while to kind of realize that I was going to have to do that. You know, I think for a long time I thought, like a lot of people, I think made that mistake of thinking that one day you're going to have like a block of time open up somehow, and you'll have this this opportunity to focus on you know this this sort of manuscript without any outside distractions and I, I sort of waited for years for that to happen and it, it never happened like obviously and it never really happens for anybody I don't think but um you know. gradually I kind of you know realized that obviously I was going to have to just make it work around my daily life and so um I tried to get a really consistent habit and I, I sort of made myself do like an hour every evening for like a, you know a few weeks and just try and build it up and and I used to come straight home from work and you know, stay in my work clothes and do like one single hour and just really focus for that hour and then stop and, and that was kinda how I kind of broke that sort of pattern of just waiting for time. I just had to sort of make it happen. Um then um I was able to leave my job as a journalist and become a full time author, which was really great. But then for um for Central I actually also um had my first child. Yeah. So I was sort, of, <laughs> sort wow. of doing that kind of my beautiful, sort of consistent routine was sort of a bit uh, you know, um Bit of people there, really. Um, I'll say, yeah. <laughs> and that's, I um, have to say, that's a bit of a blur. So we just yeah. probably not anything too much to learn from that one. But um, I think um, for now, now I re- like have got quite a good routine in place. Like I, for, for the lost man in particular, I, um, so I leave the house every day and have a little kind of um, the most uninspiring office space you could possibly imagine above a cafe. It's literally a desk, one chair, because I don't encourage visitors. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, lots of boxes of phone editions of the dry. Okay. So um, and that's it, pretty much. And um, so I go there, and I work for like a set number of hours, and I kind of set myself like like goal, like short and long term goals, so I know what I want to achieve that day, but also what I hope to achieve, you know, by certain dates, like first draft, second draft, you know, show it to the publishers, that kind of thing. Um, you're very disciplined. Are you, so you turn off social media while you're, while you're yeah, working? Yeah, I do. Actually, for a while, I actually didn't even have um, internet in there. Wow. Which was not okay. actually by choice. So it just yeah. took ages to get it set up. But then by the time it sort of was, you know, they're like, hey, finally you're online, I was kind of like, oh, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was, I was sort of in two minds actually about whether to maybe disconnected again. But uh, like, I did keep it, obviously. Yeah. Cause I find it yeah. so <laughs> distracting, like this, especially
0: when I get a notification Adam just sold to another territory, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> damn! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I just wondered, because I wish I could just turn it all off, um, but I tend to be one of those multitasker type people that have many balls in the air. Um, so, um, do you have trusted readers that you um, share your work with? Do you have some other writer friends that will read through your manuscript
1: before you send it on? Um, no, I don't actually. No, um, no I, I sort of, yeah, I don't, I actually don't show anybody. The first people who see it are um, the publishers, the Eng- all the English language publishers, um, so US, UK, and Australia, and my agent, and they all get it simultaneously, and they're the first people and only people to have read it other than me. Um,
0: mm. And I'm not
1: quite sure why. Well, the reason I do that really is um, I think because. Uh, like I actually just honestly find it a very sort of internal process. Like I don't really, um, I don't really, you know, f- feel like this, this, I feel like until I've kind of got it down to a point where I feel happy with it or I feel like it's at least kind of, you know, at, at this, that first draft stage, that it, it's sort of, the structure's kind of where I need to be and, um, y- you know, it, it's sort of got that kind of base level of the story I want to tell. Um, I'm not sure, I never really feel it's like that valuable for me to share it around too, too, with too many people because there's things that I know I still need to do and um, you know I don't really need someone else to tell me it needs that. Like I'm aware of that really myself at that stage. It's just sort of um, a case of trying to get it down and trying to, to work it out. So, so I send it off to them um, and then they obviously give s- feedback but then you sort of into the sort of formal editorial kind of process at that point. Um, but what I do do, like, um, again, more and more with each book, is, um, like, I plan really, really thoroughly. Like, I, I've for each one, I've always sort of had the start and the end and a few points in the middle. Um, and I did it with The Dry and then with Force of Nature, like, a bit more. And then with Lost Man, like, like even more. So, I mean, before I wrote any of it, again, when I was doing my research, I was drawing up at the same time this, um, this plan. And it started off just as kind of maybe five sentences, you know, like, beginning, end and a few bits in between and then it grew to ten sentences and then twenty and then each of those twenty sort of became like a chapter of sorts and then you know, within that chapter I would I would kind of work out what I needed to do it, at you know, that particular chapter and what I needed to read to get from it and who was gonna have those conversations and where it was that that was going to happen. And it's sort of a, you know snippets of dialogue if I thought of them and it got to the point where I even had like kind of the start opening and closing sentences of the chapter. Wow. Yeah. So that when I actually came to write it and I, I did all that, so I ended up with like basically thirty odd chapters. And when I came to write it and um and um I w- I, I did this some writers I know will roll around as it is, but it meant for me that I I could turn up and I, I would think, okay, today I'm going to work on Chapter 4 and I'd open up my plan and on Chapter 4 it would have, like, exactly what was going to happen and I would know as long as I did 2,000 words following that. Yes. And I just did that every day. Like, eventually I would get to the, the end of the book. Wow,
0: well done. That's amazing. Yeah. Just, I mean, t- what, what is the word count, incidentally, of a book like this? Um, they're
1: all about 90,000. They're all 90,000 90, pretty much. 000, yep. yeah.
0: So I'm tending to work with anything between
1: 50 and 70. So the idea of managing 90,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite frightening. I should actually, Sorry. I feel like for any sort of aspiring rights, I probably should point out that actually like, even when I did all that though, like I did this all this kind of, um, this huge plan and this real kind of um, in-depth sort of structural kind of um, map um, and I followed it and I, and I absolutely did kind of write the book that I set out in that plan and uh, it was, I was really happy with it and I really was like nailed it, well done Jane, this is like obviously how you need to work. Um, I, and I finished it and I read it through, and I sent it off to the editors and i 'm um, feeling actually pretty pleased with myself <laughs> and, um, and then they send you back this whole big like, like lengthy report, but before that, like, literally when I sent it off and they 'd read it. I had this one phone call with the Australian office and just as like a real passing kind of comment, one of the editors mentioned something just in passing, and suddenly this whole kind of thing just kind of turned in my brain, and I suddenly had this. Absolute kind of clear vision of what I needed to do, and I thought, oh my god! Like I need to kind of, I could just see something, a whole thread that I could just add in, and would kind of weave right throughout the book, and would really like, mm. I felt like give it an extra kind of kick and mm. and just lift it a bit higher. But I knew how much work it involved, and it literally involved rewriting, I would say, 75% of the book. <gasps> like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'll see, like, uh, thank you. It, like, I'm not <laughs> even joking. Like, it was, it, was, it was so much work, and I, and I could see it, and I, and I, I knew, like, I, I just felt it, and then suddenly, it was, like, a, almost like a real, like, emotional reaction, because I could feel, I knew I was going to have to do it, because I could feel suddenly that everything kind of clicked into place, and, like, the character motivations kind of just took on an extra dimension, and the, the plot kind of, picked up pace and and everything it was like a jigsaw just kind of suddenly becoming clear um, but I also knew like exact I knew how much work would be because I knew how like how I'd have to kind of break into so many yeah. of these chapters yeah. so uh, like I w- I wanted to do it, but at the same time, it was actually it was quite heartbreaking because I'd done my beautiful plan and I was so like proud of myself, (laughs) 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 and then it all (laughs) went to hell. (laughs) But the point is, like, even though with all that, like, like I guess my point is, like, don't expect to get it right first time because even with all that, like, I still. Mm. But it was only because I'd done that, I'd done that process, and I'd got that kind of the security of that draft that I was able to kind of look a bit further and see. So I'll just say one more thing. So I know this is a bit, really long answer, but <laughs> I actually... Um, Sorry. I'll just mention now, because I might forget later, but I actually did, um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a TEDx talk on this, this kind of topic of like how you kind of, the practical approach to writing a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not online yet, but I think they, they sort of edited and put it on. So if you're interested, it's 10 minutes of me basically talking about exactly kind of step by step, how you can kind of try and approach that sort of Great. creative process. So yep. um, yeah, if you sort of search, in a, you know, couple of weeks it it hopefully will be up and might be of use to some people
0: fantastic it goes to show you the amount of blood, sweat and tears that go into writing a book. So we as consumers, when we read it, aren't really thinking of those things, but there is just so much work uh, <laughs> involved in producing something like this. So um, so we're sort of starting to run out of time. So we might uh, skip to um, uh, s- some things to do with the movie, the movie side of things, but let's just talk briefly about um, reader feedback because I watched some online interviews um, featuring herself and I noted that Whoopi Goldberg um had you want her to do uh, to not her to-do list yeah. good god
1: <laughs> oops um
0: <laughs> her to read list um excuse me um how does it feel um when you hear um of a celebrity reading your work it must be really surreal
1: yeah it is really like I don't actually spend I don't spend a lot of time on social media because I, d- I just find it like a real kind of really distracting and like um not so like a good uh, like sort of productive place to be a lot of the time but um occasionally like more and more you sometimes get those people with like kind of the blue ticks next to them sort of mentioning and um yeah and Whoopi goldberg did actually it was a dry and it was um one of her summer like summary picks on um the view that showing the states that she's on um and it's weird because you kind of get a bit noticed that she might mention it. So the US publisher like, just to let you know, Whoopi Goldberg might mention your book and, yeah. and you sort of think, really? And they say, well, might not, might not as well. And you're like, okay. Yeah. But, she did, but she did, and um, no. and it's just sort of, it is quite weird. Like, the, what I find actually quite weird as well is um, other authors, like authors that I've sort of read over the years and yeah. seen their books in the bookshops and then, sort of get a note through the agent saying, Oh, so and so read your book and really enjoyed it. and I'm like, Really? Like I can't wow. you know, that yeah. it's, it's quite amazing really but um
0: very hard to process, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I've had that same experience <laughs> with um with Judy Bloom, with oh, corresponding, because wow. she was my hero when I yeah. was a, a kid, and and corresponding with her, now with my books and her sending me books was just blew my mind and still does. Yeah. Like if my house is burning down, I would save those books and nothing else. So, um <laughs> yeah,
1: amazing. So yeah, so you must. So who are your writing heroes? Yeah, well, one of the ways – like. So I don't mean to like sort of drop names, but like Ian Rankin actually is um mm-hmm. sort of quite um. Nice about me on Twitter a lot, and, and um, we were spra- <laughs> yeah, I know we were supposed to be at a festival together, and he sort of said, "Oh, I can't wait to get my book signed," and and then I couldn't go to the festival, um, and he actually <gasps> mentioned me, "I'm so sorry you weren't at the festival. I brought my book along," and I was, <laughs> 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 and so um, so that's quite that's quite weird because then you think, "Yeah, well, what are you doing reading my book? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, surely you have so many." Yeah, other things to read. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to sink in, and you know, even more hard to sink in would be selling your movie rights uh, to the dry to uh, to Reese Witherspoon's uh, team. Um, so, has it
1: sunk in that it's going to be made into a movie, um, and where are things at with that? Yeah, so that's that's um, pretty exciting. That that happened actually really um, early on. So, it's had a, so it has sunk in. Cause it, I guess it's had a l- like a little while to to kind of. Um, you know, it's, be, it's been on the cards for a, a while, which is really great. Um, they, so they actually um, optioned it um, way back before it was even published. So when it was unpublished, um, I got this kind of amazing phone call out of the blue from my agent, just saying, um, "Oh, by the way, um, someone's interested in optioning the dry," and um, yeah, and it's Reese Witherspoon. You know, and it was kind of like. <laughs> Say it again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, just let um, me sit down for a minute. Yeah. And actually like I told sort of like the, the phone actually sort of broke up. The phone call kinda of broke up and she said the name. And I was kinda saying, kind of say, sorry, just say it like I didn't quite catch that one, you <laughs> know, just sort of screaming it down the line. But um but so I actually didn't know they they'd even kind of looked at this and you know, so it wasn't like something I was kind of you know, knew was even possible possibly happening until I, I got the call saying that they were interested. Um and yeah and then since then like a uh, you know uh, I think like a lot of work has been kind of done behind the scenes to sort of get it um it's obviously a long process I I understand and um, getting the funding and getting the kind of key sort of components in place um, so I'm not involved directly at all um it's yeah it's very much kind of their projects it's their sort of creative kind of um thing in their area I mean my contribution really starts and ends at having written the book um, and um but they're sort of, they, and when I say they, I don't obviously mean Reese herself, you know, she <laughs> doesn't sort of, yes. uh, you know, text me or anything, ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, they're, they're sort of Yeah, have people. her on speed people. dial or anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of keep in touch, like, with sort of key, like, need to know sort of things. So um, so I, there are people sort of actively working on it at the moment. Um, it's going to be filmed in Australia, which is really great. and really happy. It's going to keep that kind of Australian yeah. feel and, um, you know, and I sort of, yeah, wish them well with it, really. I hope. Yeah, my hope really is that I guess it captures that kind of essence, and you know, of the book that readers have responded to.
0: Brilliant. Um, we're almost at the time where we can we have some questions, but just just quickly, two things I want to know. One, um, who do you envisage playing Aaron
1: and Gretchen? Any favourite actors that you have in mind? Um, so um, I think I know actually who's been cast, but Ooh. I can't say. So there has oh. been. There is like an actor sort of um, who I think is is in line for that okay. role mm-hmm. but um it's highly confidential i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so and it, so it hasn't <laughs> been announced yet so i think you know it's sort of just um wash his space and um yeah and see if that sort of eventuates and be interesting um, to see but yeah. i'm sure you know i feel sort of very confident that they'll they'll pick you know Good people who will, hmm. yeah, who will kind of really capture that spirit of the characters Brilliant. and really bring that to life.
0: Good. Um, and
1: having reached these lofty heights, what is there to aspire to now? Um, so I'm really, like, i obviously I'm so, I'm so thrilled and delighted with the way kind of the books have been received. I mean, when I, like, I remember when I first started writing the dry. I mean, all, like, all I wanted to do for a long time was just, like, I wanted to write a book for such a long time. And I was just so overwhelmed by it. Like, I completely could not kind of imagine myself ever doing it. And I think it was just like a real, like, honestly, lack of confidence and lack of motivation because I couldn't imagine that I would write a book that would actually get published because, you know, it it just seemed impossible, really, with all the hurdles you have to go through. And um, it was only really, I think, when I, I kind of decided that for me, actually just trying to write... This book or a book that I, I thought I would like to read myself and something that I felt like I could sort of personally be proud of was going to be worth like the time and effort it would involve um, and I was able to kind of let go of this idea that you know maybe it would or wouldn't get published and I'd just focus on actually writing the book itself that was only that was the only point at which I c- actually felt like I could really start doing it so then once I did that like I was just so happy to have actually finish this manuscripts and you know a- and have kind of finally like achieve this thing that I've been wanting to do for years. Mm. And it was almost like, for me at that point, that was actually honestly like enough, really. Um, So for then to sort of go on to get published and, you know, have sort of readers who've enjoyed it and have the opportunity to write more books, um you know i mean i'm like i'm so lucky to have that kind of opportunity to sort of be able to actually write more books and write about things that interest me and Mm. you know and hopefully have people enjoy them so Mm. like i just love to just continue doing that really yeah there's
0: lots of byproducts of being an author but when you actually get to sit and write and be in that moment of creation and have that satisfaction That's the best thing that there is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant, all right. Um, We've got a roving microphone somewhere. So uh, if someone has a burning question, if they'd like to kick off. We've got one up the back. We're going to make Jane hike hike up up the stairs there. Um understanding the confidentiality and secrecy around the movie <laughs> are the actors that have been signed Australian?
1: I honestly can't say <laughs> I'm so sorry i would I really would if I could I just um so yeah. there's
0: no point in me asking if any male actors. First name might begin with an H, and the surname <laughs> might begin with a J, <laughs> or alternately, first name begin with a C. And
1: um, I'm gonna uh, uh, no, I'm gonna plead no comment on that one, um, yeah, with that's it being very like disappointing. <laughs> Thank you, though.
0: <laughs> oh, so we got. straight wrap at the back there. Sorry, how many um, uh, publishers did you have to take The Dry to? or Was
1: that your first novel or was did you have other novels that you'd shopped around? or? Yeah, so um, so, the way it, so the way it worked out for me was um, I started writing... Um, so I was working full-time as a journalist and then I decided I was going to finally like write this book and I um, started at the end of 2014, I started writing The Dry. Um, and I knew because you know, being a journalist, I do love a good deadline. And I knew that um, the Victorian Premier's Unpublished Manuscript Prize opens around the same time every year, and it was about six months away. So I set myself myself a goal of trying to finish like a reasonable draft within that six months, so I could send it off and enter that competition, li- literally just as a deadline. And I kind of thought maybe, like again, nobody had read it by that stage. I thought maybe I'll get some feedback about whether it's worth pursuing or if it's sort of dead in the water, you know. Um, and so I sent it off and that was, um, I think, May 2015. And I won that competition and that um, just opened up a huge like, amount of doors for me. Suddenly I had agents and publishers like emailing me every half hour saying, can we read it, can we read it? And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't think it's quite ready to be <laughs> read yet. because I actually hadn't really got it to a point where I was completely satisfied with it. Um, it was only 60,000 words at that point, whereas the finished book is like 90,000. Um, but I got, um, I got uh, my agents, um, and she she sort of bought me some time, so she kind of kept the publishers in a bit of a holding pattern while I kind of conti- continued on the draft I was working on, and she gave me some notes, and I kind of got to... Um, it was 75,000 words by that point, and it got sent off to sort of publishers who were interested within Australia, and then they were invited to bid for it, so it went to um, auction, and there was a publishing auction in August 2015, and I was really lucky enough to... Um, decide to go with Pam McMillan, who had put forward like a really, um, not just financially, but just cohesive, like fantastic sort of vision for the book and what they could do for it, uh, which they've absolutely achieved in every possible way. And um, yeah, and then it, then The drive got published in Australia in, and it, then it, it, it went over to UK and, um, and um, American publishers as well. Um, and then it got published in Australia in July 2016. So that was kind of how... That was kind of how it played out for me um a large part of the kind of cast list was that winning that unpublished manuscript competition if anybody you know has a manuscript in a drawer it's definitely worth considering
0: definitely we have some yeah another one there hi i have a two-part question uh, my first part is Do you think you better keep up this same pace? Because obviously it's a really fast pace to produce
1: a book a year, what you've done. And second part, would you stay in the crime genre or are you thinking about moving to a different genre? So I think, um, yeah, it has sort of been quite a fast sort of few years really. Um, and I'm not too sure. I mean, I, I sort of. For me, like I actually find that like, consistency of like kind of writing and and keeping my head in it like easier honestly easier for me than actually taking like a big break you know in terms of saying I'm just going to like put it aside for six months and then come back to it L- like I, I find I find that a bit scary so I think God at some point I have to come back to it whereas I th- if I think well when I finish tour I'll just start thinking about a new one um, and then. Yeah, with my fantastic planning, you know, process now, like, um, it, it just sort of, it, you know, it kind of comes together as fast as it comes together, so I knew for this one at some point, um, it wasn't definite this one was going to come out this year, but I, I could tell early on in the year that I was, I was going to be able to make it, so we sort of went for it, and, you know, I'm really glad we did. Um, and, um, oh, yeah, in terms of the genre, I think, um, for me, like, Yes, yeah, it's, th- it's a good question because I think for for me always like the books have always been more honestly character driven than than really plot or certainly crime driven and often the kind of the, the start point like the, the catalyst for the story is 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 just that it's just the catalyst it's not it's not the focus you know it's not really about the crime itself it's more about the effect it has on people and I think for Lost Man in particular that um, maybe the, the sort of the balance of the sort of character versus plots, the character side grew a little bit more in this one than it has in the others. So I could see that sort of balance maybe um, shifting and adjusting, but I do like things that have a bit of a mystery and kind of keep you guessing, so I, I can't see myself abandoning that completely.
0: Okay. There was a question down the front.
1: Jane, I was very impressed with how you're so well organised and you map out your story. You hear a lot of writers say that when they're writing that they find that the character suddenly goes, oh, no, I think we'll go off on this detour. Do you find that happens for you and then uh, suddenly you've got a different you know, a problem to work out, gee, where am I going with it? Yeah, I do, I do sometimes. Um, so for this one, for Lost Man in particular, I did try and get those kinks out of the way during the planning stage because I think that absolutely does happen. Yeah, you know, sometimes you think, you know, you, you think you're gonna go one way and then as you're sort of working through you realise actually that's you know you need to go a different way. Um, and I tried to really sort of um, get that kind of nailed down in planning because I feel like it's easier then to to take that diversion when it's still just you know sentences rather than fifty thousand words in you know, um, but it's interesting. It's a bit like what I was saying before about um, how I kind of had that idea that suddenly you had to go back in and break into a lot of it, um, because you're absolutely right. Like sometimes you know I'll be I'll be really like labouring over something and you know and I'll be trying to kind of make something happen and make it work, and it's only when I kind of take a step back and think. You know what is wrong with this? Like usually, there's something wrong with it. Like the characters being made to do something that's not natural, or the plots is like just going in the wrong direction. And and often, if I actually just say, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna delete that chapter, or just you know put it put it aside, and we'll try something else. And suddenly, um, it does feel s- it's so much easier. Like you're not, like I find now if I'm feeling like I'm having to push something uphill, like I really consider whether this is. I don't force it too much. I really consider, is this the right thing for me? Like, why is this not working? And I often just delete the whole thing. or Well, don't literally delete it, I put it in a diff- different folder. But then, yeah, just try something else. So, yeah, for sure, and, and, um, and I think that's really important to kind of listen to that as well.
0: I'm just curious. Is it is it working? Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm just. I'm really curious that um, a lot of um, a lot of critics, a lot of readers, think that there is definitely something of the author in the characters.
0: Do you actually see a lot of your own
1: self in in your characters that you portray? Do you see it, or do you think you do? Yeah, Draw no. From I, your own experience? Yeah, no, thanks for that question. Because I, yeah, I do actually. And I mean, I, I don't, um, I, like, I don't think I've ever really drawn any kind of um, sort of situational, ex- sort of personal experience into the books. You know, it's not kind of usually things that have ever happened to me personally. But what I, I do really try and tap into, and I actually get to start, uh, sort of um, asked this question sometimes in a slightly different way in terms of like the fact that my m- the main characters are, have been men in all three books. Um, and what I think I do sort of try and tap into, and what I kind of draw for myself um, into the characters, is trying to t- um, really bring out those kind of base emotions that we can all relate to. So I don't sort of spend a lot of time thinking about you know how would a man react to this or um, you know you know like it, it, it's it's more like I, I try and because I think as humans we all know what it's like to be scared or lonely or heartbroken or happy you know or um, and and I think if you can kind of capture that experience so whether you know whether it's me feeling stressed about a book deadline or Nathan feeling stressed about his cattle numbers that stress manifests itself in the same feeling you know and I think if you can kind of tap into that that's a sort of universal feeling that we can all relate to and and I hope that's that's what kind of gives it a bit of authenticity and makes it relatable So you mentioned that um, the last three books have, of course, been male central um, characters. Would you ever make a, a writer novel with a female? Yeah, I definitely would for sure. And I think um, it would just be about finding that right story, you know. And because I think for you know for all the books so far, um, you know, when I kind of came up with Fork and then with like you know Nathan, who's the main character in The Lost Man, um, it was. It was sort of demanded by the situation so for for you know f- when Fork first appeared in the dry um I wanted him to be I wanted the main character to be someone who was close but not too close to the family that had been found dead so I wanted it to be someone who um kind of knew them but had some distance so um not like an immediate family member and not maybe like an, you know, a neighbor or Existing townsperson, Um, I didn't want to be like an old girlfriend. I didn't want to have that kind of dynamic, um, sort of muddying the waters. So having kind of a childhood friend of the father seemed like a really good fit, and that was kind of fork at his absolute kind of, you know, sort of day one essence. Was like that's how he kind of came to be, Um, and then with Nathan and and the sort of the three brothers, I just it it just sort of felt much more natural to have it as a a kind of the masculine dynamic, just given the, the you know, that the, the place they work, and the kind of, literally kind of work that they do. Um, I just felt like it, it wasn't a story I could tell with, you know, with Three Sisters, for example. But for sure, yeah, I think if it was like the right story, um, I don't sort of see any reason why, you know, it couldn't be sort of a woman at the centre.
0: Anyone else? Do you know? Thinking, if you were on a nine hundred kilometer research trip with an interesting guy, um, some pretty odd stuff might have come up. <laughs> so I'm just curious whether you learned any interesting facts while you were on that ride.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I did. Yeah, I learned a lot. Of, yeah, um, a lot of stuff came up that I hadn't really expected, and like my questions kind of led into more questions. So I'd mention something, and then he'd he'd kind of mention something and be like, you know. Wait, then that would lead to like sort of five more questions. But um, all kinds of things. Like, God, I, like a l- I mean, so much stuff that actually, luckily, w- I was able to make, in, you know, made it into the novel. But um, things that, you know, didn't as well, but I mean, things like I found out, like how much the bounty is for a dingo scalp, which is $30 in case you're interested. <laughs> um, and you um, just take them down to the police station when you've got enough, when you feel like making the trip, and he'll count them up and he'll write you a, a check or whatever, and you know, you go and be on your way, and um, and d- just down to things like um, like the, the sort of the practicalities of like how they they kind of they get their food deliveries like every sort of six weeks, like a big sort of truck comes up from one of the cities and like they deliver their food. And they, ha- they plan ahead and went out to these stations with him and I saw these like these sort of kitchens and cool rooms that honestly just looked like walking into like an IGA or something. You know, they've got like ten kilo bags of flour and like. Mm. Rows of you know pasta sauce and, and things and, and they've got like a list on the wall like planning out the meals and mm. um, yeah so it was full of um, yeah it was full of like fun facts which I tried to weave into the novel like as much as I could without overburdening people with the research you know and it, a, a big mm. part of it was actually trying to cherry pick mm. the things that could kind of you could you could let people know um, without it sort of you know slowing down the narrative really. But if you read if his book outback cop is definitely worth a look for yeah. if you're looking for like a fun christmas present for someone <laughs> other than obviously sorry <laughs> <other> than <laughs> a second book <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was interesting i did notice that when when i was reading when you mentioned the cool room and um, the generators another other yeah thing that featured yeah quite strongly um I think it, an um, animal being caught on a fence at one point, which rang true to me, having seen oh, that when I was a child, with with sheep caught on fences quite often. And um, so, yeah, all of those things made it really authentic, absolutely. Um, we have another... Yes, we have another question. Oh.
1: Hi, Jane. Yeah, Um, can I ask you another movie question? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Whenever you, I often read a novel and then I see the movie. It's not much like what the uh, what the movie's like. How is it? Is it started to happen to you yet, or what? How are you going to feel when somebody takes over your novel and turns it into a into a movie? Yeah, no, it's a good question Um, because I've had that experience myself. You know, I think we all have, and um, I think. You know, I think honestly, I just have to let it go. You know, I think it's sort of, for me, I've kind of, um, you know, like, like I, I just sort of have stepped away really, and and kind of given them the sort of creative freedom to do the best job that they can with this, and and kind of understand that, um, you know, that it won't it won't be the same, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, but but hopefully, it will be recognisable to readers, and it will it will kind of touch on those things that they've they've enjoyed, and and I hope it sort of brings out those kind of, um, you know, I suppose those elements that were really important to me in in the book, like, you know, like Fork's personality and his relationship with, you know, with with Gretchen and the other sort of people in the town, and um, his kind of, I suppose, come to terms with his homecoming, and um, things like that. I think, you know, even if, you know, maybe the the structure changes slightly, or if, if, you know, it's obviously going to be condensed from you know, like a book in sort of hour and a half or whatever. Um, I, hope, I hope the kind of the essence of it comes through. Um, but yeah, I just, I, you know, I just, I just sort of have to just step back and say good luck and I hope it does well for you, really.
0: Great. We've only got a few minutes left, so we've got another question there.
1: Yep. Hi, Jane. Um, my question is about research. Now, the trip that you did with that guy sounds like a lot of fun but I'm sure you also spent time in libraries and spent time speaking to people. When do you know when to stop researching and get down to writing? Yeah, um, no, it's a good question, because I think sometimes, um, you know, like I have heard of authors sort of say that they, they get so swept up in the research, it beca- and it becomes a bit overwhelming because they have so, ma- so much to put in. Um, so I kind of tried to combine it with like doing the research while doing a, you know, like doing my massive plan so that, by the time I kind of had the plan you know kind of like sort of taking shape I sort of knew I knew the the gaps in my knowledge so I wasn't just kind of researching in like a big empty space I was actually trying to fill certain things like how do radios work how does school the air work you know how much you get for a dingo scalp you know all kinds of stuff that to actually like fill those those holes um and I I, I went to Birdsville in February and uh, start of February and I kind of I knew at that point that was probably the last bit of research I would do. So I'd done all the reading and speaking, and I was finally going on kind of this, the, you know, personal visit. And I thought when after that, at that point, when I come back, that is when I'm going to start, like, actually laying this down. So, um, yeah, it was a bit, it, uh, yeah, like, how long is a piece of string? Like, it could go on for ages. So I think that's quite, it's quite important to maybe set yourself that deadline.
0: Mm, brilliant. All right, well, that's... Um, a wrap, as they say in the movie <laughs> world. <laughs> um, so thank you very much for coming along tonight. Will you please uh, join me in uh, thanking Jane? Oh, thank you. <laughs> and if you'd like to buy a book, or if you've bought a book already uh, and you'd like to have it signed by Jane, she'll be out uh, in the foyer, I believe, at a signing table.